As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. As the founder and CEO of Nectar Consulting Incorporated and co-author of the best-selling book, Breakthrough Healing, Michelle Molitor works with executives and entrepreneurs bringing over 30 years of experience, intuitive insights, and strategic business savvy to your success. As a nationally recognized speaker, certified executive coach, rapid transformational therapy and heart healing practitioner, consultant, trainer, and writer, Michelle's passion for amplifying your natural talents and leadership capacity is conveyed through all aspects of her work and writing. Welcome, Michelle. Good afternoon. This is Mark Madison on Books and People. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Michelle Molitor. Michelle, how are you today? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. So tell me your story. You've got, uh, you've got quite a profile, but uh, and there's a lot of different things listed. So rather than me kind of go back over that. Um, tell tell me your about your journey. Sure. Um, well, in my my former life, um, I was a creative director in web development. Um, and I experienced a pretty toxic workplace and uh, a lot of bullying that led to me getting fired, actually. And it was pretty devastating. For me, it really crushed my confidence and created a massive case of imposter syndrome. And at that point in time, this thing coaching was brand new. And so I discovered it to help me figure out what my next steps would be. And in the process of being coached, I found my true calling and purpose. So I went on to get trained and certified as a professional coach, hung out my shingle, so to speak, uh, 20 years ago, and have been doing it ever since. And Along that path, I've been a learning junkie and I'm always looking for better, faster ways to get out of my own way so that I can be a better coach to my uh, clients. And I discovered a really unique form of hypnotherapy that made some significant changes in my life very quickly. So I went on to add that certification and training to my cap, if you will, and my collection of letters of <laughs> certifications, and um, very quickly saw how um, coaching and hypnotherapy really amplify the progress much more quickly than they would individually. So um, I've combined these modalities along with a handful of other things tossed in for good measure uh, to what I call rapid rewiring. And it's uh, a unique combination of tools that enables me to help my clients get at the root causes of the blocks, the fears, um, 
the even the trauma that's been held in their nervous system sometimes for decades, moving it out of the way, neutralizing it and replacing those old limiting beliefs and thoughts with new empowering ones. So literally helping my clients rewire their brains with new neural pathways, new beliefs about who they are and how they can move through the world with greater confidence and ease. Wow. So that all started because you got fired, which turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to you. Exactly. Total blessing in disguise, but boy, in the moment, it was painful. It's like, here, let me throw you into a brick wall. How's that feel? Like, ah. <laughs> Here's a pink note, by the way, have a nice day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I got fired too. And it was literally the, the impetus for me saying, you know, that, that's, that's God's way of telling me I'm supposed to be doing something different. Yep. No, not and this. Look over here. <laughs> one door closes, another one opens. Always. So tell us a little bit more about hypnotherapy. I'm really fascinated by that. Well, it's really cool. It's science. People think it's all sorts of magical things and, and it is kind of magical, but it actually is just all based in neuroscience. And so you know how you listen to a song over and over in the car and you remember the lyrics from those songs from however many decades ago it's been? Well, that's Rock, because- Roxanne. Yeah. Roxanne. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so the repetition of listening to something over and over is what creates new neural pathways in your brain. We've all experienced it. We've all remembered lines of songs or books or plays or movies, whatever it might be. And so in hypnotherapy, I'm able to essentially um, help my clients get into a very relaxed alpha brainwave state. It's that half awake, half asleep place. Um, right. It's also referred to as trance state. And we experience it every single day. If you've ever, you know, driven the same route from your house to the grocery store and while you're driving, um, you're thinking about 14 other things and you magically still show up at the grocery store, right? That's yes. That's a trance state, also a form of hypnosis. And so in this state, I'm actually able to access um, the person's subconscious thinking, which is 90% of your brain power. Everything that's ever happened to you is all nice and neatly cataloged in your subconscious mind. And so by accessing that place, we can get at the root cause of where we put into place a belief about ourselves that really isn't true. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. Uh, I can't I hold on can't to money. I can't lose that weight. Right. I can't lose the weight. Whatever that I can't is. And when you can identify the root cause of it, you can look at it like an outside observer, as if you're looking at it on a movie screen. And you can see where that event happened. Maybe you were five, maybe you were 10, maybe you were 15, who knows? Um, but you can see, oh, I can understand why I would have believed that in that moment, but I'm not in that place anymore. Mm. I'm not in that place. I'm not in that space. And I'm, I'm an adult now and I can make a new choice. So right. we neutralize the old beliefs and then we instill new empowering beliefs in its place. I am good enough. I am worthy. I am happy and healthy, um, whatever it might be for someone. So to and, use a 70s reference, we erase the tape and record a new 
So. Yes, exactly. Whether that's your eight track or your cassette tape, my friend. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm not old enough for eight tracks. Oh, wait, no, I had some. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. Um, and so part of the work that I do inside of a typical 90 minute to two hour hypnotherapy session is I'm instilling new empowering beliefs, thoughts, habits, and attitudes. And I record this session and that part of the session then gets mixed into a new tape, right? And you listen to that recording every night as you drift off to sleep for 30 days and the repetition of listening to that over and over again. I am enough. I believe in myself. I trust myself. I love myself. Um, it builds those new neural pathways while you sleep and, and little bit by little bit, or sometimes just like that, you start showing up differently. You start holding your head up a little higher. You believe in yourself more and you're willing to step into action in places that maybe you never previously would have because of the fears or the limiting beliefs you were holding about yourself. So repetition is the mother of skill. Yes, absolutely. That's something absolutely. I thoroughly and totally believe. I've been using affirmations since I was 14. And they've taken nice. me to places that, you know, I could not have imagined when I was young. And absolutely. I love the fact that you have your clients do that just before they go to sleep at night. And, and just, just at, well, and what I do is when I wake up in the morning, first thing, when I'm not completely awake, I, you know, I, I wake up, but I, I lay on my back and then I just, I just wait. I, I think, I think about one or two things that I really want to focus on specifically goals and affirmations, but then I just wait. And in that, you, you said between the alpha and beta phase yep. stage, right. Is when your mind's most fertile for ideas. And I call them my AM thoughts. Nice. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. A, that's that magical place of where ideas kind of just grow. And you can do the same thing as you're drifting off to sleep at night, right? Whether you're exactly. listening to one of my recordings or if you're just asking your subconscious a question, for example, right. um, how is it that I'm thriving so effortlessly now? Mm. And you just drop that question in. It's an open-ended question. You drop it into your subconscious as you're drifting off to sleep and you let your subconscious do all the work for you while you're sleeping right. and then start to notice what new people, opportunities and circumstances start presenting themselves. Have you read much Florence Shivel Shin? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh my gosh. She's singing your song or you're singing hers. Now she's been gone for a long time. So I uh, have her complete works and, you know, for <laughs> Everything you're saying is an echo of the things that she teaches. Yeah. yeah. How about I've, Dr. Joe I've, Dispenza? Ah, yes, of course. I've studied many of the um, masters, if you will, thought leaders in this arena. I have, I don't know, thousands of books here in my library, and they're all on this subject. So right. um, I'm fascinated by how the brain works and, and why people do the things that they do. Um, you know, I grew up, a, I like to say in an abnormally normal family, right? My parents are still married after 64 years. I love my brother and sister. They're lovely humans. Wow. Um, except my brother is, has always been infinitely confident and I wasn't. I'm like, well, mm. we grew up in the same house. Why is that? And mm. so it's, it's been one of the drivers in my work all these years is as I've tried to reclaim my confidence after it felt like it was truly shattered um, in a moment 
you know, way back when. And, and so all the work, all the research I've done is really helping people identify their self-doubt, reclaim their confidence and start to create a, a life that they love based on their passions, their purpose, their natural talents and abilities so they can shine authentically in the world doing what's most important to them. You know, I learned a long time ago, what you think of me is none of my business. Mm -hmm. And I'm the kind of guy I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. Nice. You know, those are operating beliefs that that I kind of learned along the way. And that's what I'm hearing you say is you, you get to decide uh, yes. where you put yeah. the rudder on your ship. So, you know, the ship goes a different direction. Absolutely. We, we are so programmed by society from our family of origin, um, from cultural traditions on quote, how we're supposed to behave. And there is merit to law and order and, and the like. And what's good for your parents isn't necessarily good for you. Um, just because, you know, your parent was, a, let's say, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, some of the, the popular favorites, if you will, doesn't mean that you have to do that. It's a matter of listening to your own heart and spirit of what calls you, what what drives you, what brings you joy and how do you do more of that and, and get paid well to do it. Right. That's the and, goal. And by the same token, on the other side of that coin, you don't have to be an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever, fill in the blank. Yeah. Just because your parents were, my wife said to me one day in 1985, she said, we're going to a seminar on self-esteem. And I said, Oh honey, I have all the self-esteem I need. She said that my love is part of the problem. Be ready to go at five 30. <laughs> she sounds so like I a very wise woman <laughs> oh, she's so smart i married up and so i'm complaining the whole way down there she's driving and she's like get over it we're going so i get there and i'm still you know furrowed brow arms crossed but this woman is so smart and within five minutes okay i unfurl my brow and i'm looking around for something to write with and i end up taking 10 pages of notes and she said two things that changed my life one she said when somebody gives you a compliment smile and just say thank you yep right I used to argue with people when they gave me a compliment. <laughs> and then one day I gave my mother a compliment about the apple crisp. And she said, oh, I put too much salt in it, love. And I said, mom, why do you do that? You know, why do you argue with compliments? Because I was just starting to understand kind of where this came from, right? <laughs> from me, mom. So yep. <laughs> thank you, I, mother. She, she literally stopped and she said, oh, dear. She said, when I was a young girl in England, Whenever someone would give me a compliment, Nana in Brooklyn, her grandmother, would say, Oi, you don't want to be a big head. Big yep. head. Like somehow feeling good about yourself was a bad thing. Yeah. And so literally what I had to do for the next year, every time I gave her a compliment, I'd have to give her one and then repeat it. So I broke through the Nana in Brooklyn force field. Yes. Right. And I love that you bring that up, Mark, because um, trauma and beliefs are passed down generation to generation. Exactly. Sci science has shown us that we can pass along emotional trauma from three to seven generations. Think about that. Wow. What your Nana or your great grandma or your great great grandma, the traumas that they went through 
potentially and how they got passed down and down and down and down because we are truly the flesh and blood of our parents, right? We passed down like a necklace or a ring. Yes, exactly. Ah! Right. And so if um, you know, I I have a, a a former client whose, you know, parents grew up in the depression. And he used to joke because his mother would like save every single piece of tinfoil. Like there was a there was a, a drawer <laughs> that was just for the used tinfoil. Don't throw that away. Waste not, want not. Right, right. And I heard that one growing up. And so especially inside of corporate America, when you can better understand the people that you're working with and the drivers that drive them and their expertise, it can really help lower barriers to miscommunications. Right. Um, this is a, a, a one of my favorite um, examples. I was doing a, a leadership development program for a whole team, a whole organization, like 50 people. And we had broken out into um, their work groups, right? We had finance over here and we had sales over here and marketing over here. And each person in these small groups, they had to share a story from their childhood that shaped their career. Mm. And the controller for this insurance company was a stickler for the numbers. He counted every single penny and it drove people nuts because they weren't so exact with their, um, you know, uh, payroll reports and their, their um, expense reports. Expense, and, that's what yeah. I was looking for, expense reports. And he, he shared, he said, well, um, I grew up in poverty in China. I literally ran around the streets looking for food. I had no shoes. I didn't have a home. And, you know, he eventually made his way to the United States, got his his degree, and he's very proud of the work that he does and that he he manages the money of this multi-million dollar company so well. And it in an instant it shifted everybody's perspective of him. Like you could see it on their faces, like, oh, well, that makes sense, right? So when we start to judge people because of of their little nuances, right? That makes them unique. Idiosyncratic foibles, yeah. Right, get curious and find out what's their underlying driver behind that, that, that they inherited from their parents perhaps, or even from their own childhood that um, made them into the person who they are today. Empathy allows us to go from criticism to curiosity. Yes, I love that. Great quote. Well, it's just one of those things. Walk a mile in somebody else's shoes and all of a sudden you say, oh, boy, I guess if I were in his or her shoes, I'd feel the same way. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I, what I did with the things that, the, okay, in my family growing up, mine was the complete opposite of yours. Uh, we put the fun in dysfunction. Okay? <laughs> when you When you shook our family tree, bottles fell out, okay? Okay. So that was that. And, you know, there was all kinds of uh, unresolved issues and things my parents did and said that drove me bonkers. I made mental notes of them. And I literally said, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do the exact opposite. Yep. It's my father typical. was very impatient and he'd give me a task and then he'd stop and he'd say, give me that. And he would take it back. Right. 
And I swore I would never do that because of how it made me feel. And so with my kids, I'd say, you got it. Keep going. You're, you're, you're doing great. I'm proud of you. Take all the time you need. Right. That one thing was huge in terms of building confidence in my kids. Yep. You know, and so you're right. So it gets, and you know, my father had a horrible childhood. So mine compared to his was nothing, you know, I mean, so with, like a necklace or a ring, we pass those things down to our kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that I'm able to help clients find clarity on, um, even in a state of hypnosis, um, you know, things come up. Sometimes these traumatic events come up. Sometimes they're benign, right? right. I, I had a teacher who shamed me in, in elementary school. So I don't want to raise my hand or speak up because I'm going to get rejected, right? Mm. Or um, I was a, a mentally, emotionally, physically abused by someone, whatever, whatever the level of trauma is, it still leaves a scar and it leaves a right. mark. And in that um, deep state of relaxation, um, I'm essentially talking to the client. They're they're very relaxed. They're awake. They're not asleep, um, but they're in that very midbrain, you know, alpha brainwave state. Right. And I can ask them. So, you know, what did this person do to you? What do you want to say to them? Like it, like allow them, give them space to voice the hurt, the pain, and then even ask them. If you're curious, what might have happened to them when they were a child that caused right. them to be this way? So they're able to disconnect from the hurt and go, oh, it's really not my fault. My dad was already that way. He was the wounded one and he was just trying to put it off on me because he didn't know what to deal with the energy of it, right? It, it's that scene in Goodwill Hunting where Matt Damon and Robin Williams near the end of the film, he says, it's not your fault. He said, yeah, I know. He said, Will, it's not your fault. And he says it like 10 times. And finally, the 10th time, Matt Damon breaks down and starts crying and starts hugging him. Yeah, because the, that's, the that's exactly it. Was so thick. Yep. And that's what I'm hearing you say. It's not your fault. Yeah. Oh, and wow. sometimes it, it, it takes that repetition, consciously and unconsciously. Right. So you go, wait, it isn't my fault. It isn't my fault. I am enough. I, I was four lovable. years old, for God's sake. Right. You know, or whatever, right? Right. I mean, it's it's astounding what humans do to other small humans. Um, you know, I, I get that the majority of parents are really trying to do their best. And under right. great stress and, and pressure, they do a crappy job. <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and there that's, there's that small percentage that aren't that right. Um, but when we can find that place of compassion and, and forgiveness for the hurt, the trauma that we experienced as, as kids or adults, young adults, um, it can be so freeing and liberating um, to the individual because they've been carrying around this heavy backpack full of rocks and bricks and things. And when you're able to just set it down and go, oh, that wasn't mine to begin with. Right. Somebody, Somebody handed it to, it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't really want penny. that anymore. Yeah. yeah. 
I always tell my clients, you, you got to get rid of that junk in your trunk. It's time to let it go. And, well, right. how about we just put it down here in the curb so the garbage man can take it? And they just laugh and go, okay, here you go. <laughs> you had mentioned something you call the imposter syndrome. Yes. Would you like to talk more about that? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, when I, when I got um, bullied out of my career, I was left a deer in the headlights. Who am I? I don't know anything. I'm afraid everybody's going to figure out I'm a fraud. I don't know what the heck I'm doing on and on and on and on. And it just, it created anxiety and panic attacks and all sorts of fear-based decisions. And we all suffer from imposter syndrome at various points. Um, well, we'll say 70% of adults um, suffer from imposter syndrome. And 25% of high-performing um, individuals deal with it as well. And it's a matter of recognizing it and catching it. it think of it as a wave and it might, it might just wash over you or it might bowl you over. And it's when it's, it's in the place of bowling you over time and time and time again, when it's probably a good idea to get some help, right? To reach out to an expert who can help you see the thing that keeps bowling you over, that's triggering that sense of self-doubt within you so that you can release the emotional baggage and and move on with your life in a good way versus allowing yourself to be continually triggered by it such that it's it's holding you back from doing your very best in your work first we form habits and they form us mm -hmm. and that habitual way of thinking that that negative self-talk did you ever read uh, feeling good a new mood therapy um i have not Oh my god. You're gosh. chock full of you're chock full of good sources. You don't have to send me a book list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I was I read that in nineteen eighty two and it was one of those it was one of those seminal books that, you know, he basically talks about self talk and how our old tapes, you know, define us. Mm -hmm. My mother used to say, Your eyes were bigger than your belly. Why didn't you know, why didn't you finish your food? And so it created this dynamic that I felt obligated to be part of the clean plate club. Yep, right. know that one. <laughs> and, you know, after a while, you know, I started gaining weight and gaining weight. Why? Because I was playing these old tapes. And then I said, it's okay not to finish all my food. Yeah. Right. I decided to kind of rewire it. But at the, at that time in my life, I was really struggling. And I I, I went, you know, I was looking to for answers in books. And, and in that book, he has a the Beck Depression Inventory. And so I took it. Right. And, uh, I added up the score and it said, you're severely depressed. Call somebody immediately. And I was like, what? I like self-diagnosed. So I called, you know, I called someone and started seeing a therapist. And but it was one of those things where you just go, really? Did all those old tapes really get me to this place where I felt like I, you know, Pandora's box was open and all the demons were out? Yeah. 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 And I, yeah, I, I, there's I a lot of, help. there's a lot of high functioning folks who are depressed out there, especially now. I mean, the pandemic has created a whole new level of um, emotional distress um, that has not been processed, that people, they just didn't know how to handle all the massive shifts and changes that came at us 
all globally, right? It's that there's that collective consciousness that is kind of still in that place of what was that and what happened and how do how do we move forward again? Um, And so through through the work that I've done, um, Mark, and all the clients that I've worked with, I I identified the the underbelly of imposter syndrome, which is five self doubt archetypes, um, which essentially similar to like the five love languages. We all have them, but there's the one or two that are most predominant in how we show up in the world. And I found that to be true with the with the five self-doubt archetypes as well. So understanding the self-doubt that is driving you can help you um, eliminate the 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 belief structures that are holding them in place so that you can um amplify your mindset, expand um, your your energy in a good way and let go of the the old tapes that are no longer serving you. I think it was Warren Zevon that wrote, well, I laid my head on the railroad track waiting for the double E, but that train don't run by here no more. Poor, poor, pitiful me. Mm. So I have to believe that one of those archetypes is self-pity. Um, actually there is the procrastinating perfectionist. Okay. We have, those are your folks who procrastinate and overwork because it just has to be perfect or else they'll be judged by somebody. And that is unbearable. There's the shapeshifter. These are our, our friends who are masterful at juggling multiple roles just to please others and to stay safe. These are folks who typically have, have had, um, lived in an abusive home or with narcissistic parents. Um, There's the reluctant resistor, those who are afraid to be seen or judged or rejected. So they just don't quite step into the limelight. They're afraid to take on new challenges. Um, You have the anxious avoider. These are folks who are so scared of being rejected and not having all the answers they refuse to ask for help. I'll just do it all by myself, right? I'll mm. figure it out. And then the fearful follower. Um, these are our friends who um, don't trust their own instincts and will always take someone else's advice over their own in, instead um, because they're just afraid they're going to get it wrong. Um, so there's these really interesting different layers to this and they there's some overlap between them. And, um, but when you can start to pinpoint, oh, and see, I'm a shapeshifter and I've been doing these things to just protect myself. You can start to move them out of the way and really step more fully into your own confidence and sense of self-worth. Tell me this is all in a book. <laughs> Not quite yet, but I do. I do have a a course that I've developed um, called "How to Become Unshakable," and it's a seven week program that um, goes in depth to the five self doubt archetypes and how to move them out of the way. How do you reclaim your confidence and stand fully in your self worth, um, and ask for ask for what you deserve and and what you should be paid. So it's a really powerful course for those who um, maybe have been hiding out in the shadows and are ready to 
want to step into the spotlight to to play a bigger game in their life, but they're not quite sure how to do that or how to move some of that junk out of their trunk out of the way. It's called how to become unshakable. Got it. And how does one go about finding that? Well, um, you can uh, visit my website, michellemolitor.com. That's michelle with one L.com. Um, and you can find it there on my website, or you can book a complimentary discovery call with me. We can have a chat and see um, what's the best way to help you get out of your own way to have more um, life in your life with less um, stress and anxiety. Perfect. So just in case someone's driving and they're saying, man, she went way too fast. What was that website again? It's M-I-C-H-E-L-E-M-O-L-I-T-O-R, Michelle Molitor. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah. And you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And um, You're the easiest a... person in the world to find. I just type yeah. in your name and it comes up. Yep. There you are. So what advice would you, oh, by the way, I'm going to put a rock in your shoe right now. Okay. okay. I've written seven books. I flunked high school English and I have a year of junior college. All right. Good for and you. I had a 3.0 in college, blood alcohol level. So that tells you all you need to know about my, how qualified I was to write a book. If I can write seven, you can write one. So I'm going to just throw down the gauntlet right now and say, uh, I know there's a book in you after listening to you for the last half an hour. You've forgotten more than most people know. Uh, so there you go. Well, oh, well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I, I actually have co-authored three books. I just haven't written my own full, complete end-to-end book. So, Well, then the, the next thing for you is to do it all by yourself. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And yes, when you're it's... ready to do that, I'll introduce you to whoever you need to, to get that done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, of course. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's a work in progress. If if there were more hours in the day that I could do and create all the things that I want to create and be of service, I, yes, it's on its way. <laughs> Any moment now. <laughs> Your future is so bright, it burns my eyes. Yes, I know. I have some nice shades for you. Nice. Well, uh, parting advice. What advice would you offer somebody who's you know, kind of struggling with their self-confidence and their self-esteem. What, what, what one or two things would you suggest they do to get on the other side of that? Sure. I would say probably the most powerful thing that I learned on my journey is discovering that I never felt enough. So simply repeating to yourself, I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. Sing it to yourself. Write it on your mirror. Put it on your phone. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And the more you do that, the more you will build those neural pathways in your brain. And until one day you actually wake up and you believe it. And you're like, oh, of course I'm enough. Why did I ever think I wasn't enough? Right? So as I like to tell folks, rewire your brain think new thoughts and your life will follow. I taught my kids a little ditty. I like myself because I'm me. I like myself unconditionally. Oh, 
That's beautiful. I know. I used to sing it to them and then I'd have them repeat it. I also told them their future was so bright it burned my eyes and they were going to go so much farther than I ever did in school, sports, and business. And they heard that hundreds of times from me. And then one day, guess what? They did. Yep. That's beautiful. I know you're a proud papa. Oh, well, I so appreciate you making the time to talk to my subscribers. There's uh, you're a wealth of knowledge and, and you're clearly making a dent in the universe. So thank you so much. And I guess, you know, one last question, PS, just fill in the blank. PS, I love you. You're brilliant. Keep going. I'm going to write that down. I'm the kind of guy I'd like to spend the rest of my life with. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for making the time, Michelle. Oh, my sincere pleasure. Many blessings to you, Mark, and thanks for the good work you're doing. As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.